I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hey there. Ever wonder what happens to all those amazing screenplays that never make it to the big screen? Wonder no more. Welcome to Table Read Podcast, where we bring those undiscovered gems to life. Picture this. Talented actors giving incredible performances with the occasional laugh or blooper thrown in, produced by award-winning pros. From drama to comedy, TV pilots to feature films, there's something for everyone. And guess what? We release new episodes every week, so don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Table Read Podcast, where great stories finally get their chance to shine. Hey everyone, welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Walentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we're talking about first ladies and first pets. So grab your alligator. And let's get civical. Hello! It's our last episode of, of the, the year. year. Bing, bong, bing, 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 bong. I'm not going to keep singing because nope. we know that nobody enjoys it. But it is our last <laughs> episode of 2021, y'all. What? That's <laughs> so... That's so crazy. A, this is episode 148 and... I have always believed in us. I've always believed mm. in you as a human mm. being and as a co-host. But I I just never in my wildest dreams did we ever think we would get to the end of, what, year three? 
Is this the third year? Is this the third year? No, this year? is the end of the second year, right? No, no. Because we did, we launched in January. <laughs> it's the so third year. Our... We lost it. It's our third year because like basically 52 and 52 and 52 is basically 148, but with like some skips, right? But we, we launched January 2019. So we're coming up on our third year. No, we're coming up on our fourth year. Wait, but that math doesn't add up to me. I swear. Not, nine plus three is 22. What? Wait, Wait what? I Hold just... on. Hold on. What was... I'm looking in my <gasps> no, calendar. Wait, I'm doing a Google right. search. What was the name of the so, place where we had the launch party? It was... No, I think you're you're right about the year. Yeah, January... I just, I, January 27th. So it's been... It's been... <laughs> Y'all. Oh, my God. Woo! It is the last episode of the year. <laughs> oh you, you, know, you know what that math has never been my strongest, along with reading, writing, and spelling. <laughs> oh History's the God. only place I ever excelled. Whatever. Amazing. Amazing. Happy almost anniversary to us. Oh, my God. I can't. It's so funny. Um, Ugh. yeah, this is, we'll, we'll, at the end of January, we'll be the start of our fourth year. Wow. Can you believe it? You guys, if you've been along on this ride for this many years, I am, I am, I don't even, I'm crying. It's very, it's very moving that we've had people join us for this long. And if you're new to us, I'm so happy that you're here. I hope that you stick around because we're just getting started. <laughs> <laughs> It's just, it's, it's, year four is going to be, is going to be wild. Cause I think now that like, not that COVID's over, but I think we can start doing some of the things and going some of the places that we're always right. like, we should go there. Mm-hmm. Like 2022, we should spread our wings and fly. We're going to spread our wings and fly. We each have a car. This is we true. We finally are vaccinated. We're boosted. Things are are opening back up. It's very exciting. Mm-hmm. There's no stopping us. Nope. Watch out, Mount Vernon. Watch we're, out. We're coming Boston to you. Boston Tea Party Museum. We're coming. We're coming. Watch out, Colonial Williamsburg. Like, I don't know. <laughs> our Disneyland? <laughs> Are you a historic site? We will come visit you. We're coming. We're coming We're for coming. you in 2022. It's very oh thrilling. God. It's very thrilling. I'm thrilled. Yeah. So we, like we promised last week, we wanted to end on something super fun and exciting. And we decided that the best <laughs> episode topic for this week was an episode that is dedicated to first ladies and then a little secret surprise, also first pets. And it's, it's, part of me feels bad because I started this research and was like, oh, the first ladies, whatever. And they were very important and a lot of them are very interesting and they did, you know, great things and are amazing. Some of them amazing people in their own right. But honestly, the list of first pets is where it's at. It's where it's at. It's where the party is at. at. 
I will also caveat and say that this is like a first lady's overview. You know how yes. much we like to do overviews that, yes. honey, if you think that we're not going to do an entire biopic biopic on Eleanor Roosevelt, you're crazy. Crazy. If you think we're not going to do an entire biopic biopic on Dolly Madison, you're crazy. Yes. There's also more than that. But this is just, again, we wanted to do something that was not as, as as dark as Pearl Harbor. <laughs> And this felt like a good place to be. So we're doing yes. a first episode. I will not cry in this episode. I guarantee no, it. Only time will tell. Let's not make promises we can't keep. <laughs> I have to see what these pets are first. Oh my God. They're wild. I am so excited. Obsessed. I think we should hop right into it. What about you? I think so. I will say that these notes are coming from... ThoughtCo, an article by Martin Kelly, and Town and Country, an article by mm. Charlotte Chilton. Because we're sophisticated. Uh-huh. We're two sophisticated ladies who who lunch, really. Who lunch. <laughs> we're going to clippity-clap right into 2022. I love it. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, two, two parts of this episode, we're going to talk about first ladies first, and we're going to talk about first pets second. So I'm going to kick us off with first ladies. And again... There are, I forget how many total first ladies, as many presidents as we've had. There's equally, well, I guess not all of them were married, but there's almost as many first ladies. Yeah. So we've just pulled some of our favorites. If if we don't touch on your favorite first lady, shoot us a DM mm-hmm. and we will make sure she gets her time in the sun. Do if not you really want to hear about Sarah Polk, at us. We're going to do it. We'll do it. I'll do it. Mm-hmm. But let's start off with, she's one of my favorites for sure. I, Definitely yes. top five for me. Yes. Top agreed. five, easy. Agreed. We're going to start off with the one, the only, Dolly Madison. And first and foremost, the fact that her name is spelled D-O-L-L-E-Y needs to be highlighted because this is truly, I'm sure we've seen her name before. And I bet you I've made this exact same comment. Never knew it was with an EY. Not Never, that it matters, but it's no. always shocking to see. It is. It's it's a shocking when you see a different spelling, like an Ashley with an EI. Why? But good for Why? you. Good for you, Dolly. Mm-hmm. So a little bit about Dolly Madison. So Dolly Madison was born Dolly Payne Todd, and she was 17 years younger then her husband, James Madison. I just... Go off, Dolly. so crazy to me. Like, that is a huge age huge difference. Huge age difference. But wow, did not know that. Okay, no. good to know. Yep. She was one of the most well-loved first ladies, obviously. Mm-hmm. After serving as Thomas Jefferson's White House hostess after his wife died... She became the first lady when her husband won the presidency. That's so interesting. Yeah. But also, like, Thomas, <laughs> host your own parties. <laughs> you had... You don't have, you any, had you don't have any friends? I like, know, you've had the staff. host for you? Go off, Dolly. Mm-hmm. She was active in creating weekly social events and entertaining dignitaries and society... 
During the War of 1812, as the British were bearing down on Washington, this is, we've talked about this story, yeah. it's amazing, Yeah, Dolly Madison understood the significance of the national treasures housed in the White House and refused to leave without saving as much as she could. So this is that crazy story where the, where the British yes. are descending upon Washington. Mm-hmm. James Madison and Dolly Madison go their separate ways only to meet up at a at a given point elsewhere. Yeah. But before leaving the White House, Dolly was like, if you think they are getting our treasures, you're out of your mind. You're out of your mind. If you think literally we are everybody not- grab two paintings and mm-hmm. let's ride. Let's ride. Don't forget the pitcher bowls. Come on, let's go. Through her efforts, many items were saved that would have most probably been destroyed when the British captured and burned the White House. I feel like one of the most famous ones is a picture uh, or a a painting of George Washington. It's like a really famous painting of George Washington. And that's like, oh my God, what if we lost the painting of George Washington? We never would have known what he looked like. History would have never recovered. I mean, it's great. I think it's great that we didn't lose these things to the British. That obviously would have been such a bummer. Right, right, right. But I do love the... Like, the devastation that surrounds the idea right. of not having the painting of George, George Washington. Washington. As though that would, like, minimize his impact and, like, his memory and what he did for this He nation. wouldn't be what he is today without that painting. Look. He, he owes his to existence to Dolly Madison. Yeah. Oh, how interesting that you gave me this one. Uh-huh. Did you do it on purpose? I did, actually. Look, we can't blame her. <laughs> For her husband. She sounds like a badass. I think you're going to like her. No, I'm sure she's great. I think Mm -hmm. she's great. Mm -hmm. I have no problem with her. Just her taste (laughs) in men is questionable. (laughs) Questionable. So Arden very sort of ironically, our next first lady that we're going to talk about is Edith Wilson, (laughs) who is sort of my nemesis's uh, Woodrow Wilson's wife. So Edith Wilson was actually Woodrow Wilson's second wife while president his first wife, Ellen Louise Axton, died in 1914. Ellen, my condolences. <laughs> <laughs> Wilson then married Edith Balling Galt on December 18, 1915. In 1919, President Wilson suffered a stroke. And Edith Wilson basically took control of the presidency. I don't know. Maybe my problem is with Edith. Like, who's making these decisions? <laughs> All of your life, is this you're what like, I'm learning I hate now Woodrow that, like, Wilson. She was not with Woodrow that Will- Woodrow Wilson was like an invalid. <laughs> <laughs> and Edith has been the one acting up. Entirely possible. I mean, I love to see it. I love to see it. I love that she took control. Yeah. She made daily decisions about what items should or should not be taken to her husband for input. Honestly, she probably, this is what Edith probably did. She was probably like, look, I've been seeing some of the decision making coming out of this man's head. And we're just going to kind of filter what he sees. Anything that I don't think he needs to see, we're not going to show him just in case he sort of perpetuates another world war. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yes. If it was not important in her eyes, then she would not pass it on to the president, a style for which she was widely criticized. It is not completely known how much power Edith Wilson truly wielded. I kind of feel like it's a minimum. It's a power. There's some power there. 
right. to decide what the president sees? Right, like that. What is she, the FBI? Like, right, right, like, right. Like, how do you decide? Yes, he can see the bill on transportation. No, he cannot see the bill on going to war or whatever it is. Mm-mm. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, Eleanor Roosevelt, I feel like, held, a, right, which we're going to talk about next, had something similar where that she, she had a lot of input on just decision-making and, and FDR. But the idea that... But he was like, still president. He was still, well, he like... Was, and very much involved. And very much and involved. Sort of, you know. Yeah. But the idea that Edith was like, mm, I don't think we're going to show on this. And then just, what, toss the paper into the fireplace? Like, I, like what no. do you do? How do you prevent it from seeing it? <laughs> no. I love it. I'm all about it. Yeah. I think it's great. So next up, as Lizzie said, is Eleanor Roosevelt. Eleanor is considered by many to be America's most inspiring and influ- influential first lady. She married Franklin Roosevelt in 1905 and was one of the first to use her role as first lady to advance causes she found significant. So I love this. She's not like doing what Edith did, which is like acting as like, you know, a gatekeeper to the president and deciding what is important. She's got like her own ideas of things she wants to do. So they're operating together, pursuing things that are both important to them. And I'm sure like she was like, hey, uh, Frankie, can we, you know, knock, knock, ding, dong. Yeah, let's push this. And he'll be like, absolutely. Absolutely. I feel, I feel as though it was much more of like she was his right-hand man. Yes. As opposed to Edith where, you're like you said, she was a gatekeeper. Yeah. But not necessarily a confidant. No, no, no. It sounds like she just was a yes or a no, you know. Yeah, so no for me. An executive assistant who really (laughs) puts their foot down. So Eleanor fought for New Deal proposals, civil rights, and the rights of women. She believed education and equal opportunities should be guaranteed for all. After her husband died, Eleanor Roosevelt was on the board of directors for the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, also known as the NAACP. She was a leader in the formation of the United Nations at the end of World War II. She helped draft the Universal Declaration of Human Rights and was the first chairman of the UN Human Rights Commission. Go well, off. Go off, Edith. I have no notes. I have nothing to say. No notes. Keep what, doing What are you. we going to say? Do Keep more? Going. Like, shout out to Eleanor. Shout out to Eleanor mm-hmm. for just, yeah, just having goals and values and priorities and setting on a path Pushing to push those. Yeah. So next, we're going to talk about Jackie Kennedy, Jacqueline Kennedy. She was born Jacqueline Lee Bouvier in 1929. She attended Vassar. Also of the um, Big Edie and Little Edie Bouviers from Grey Gardens. Which is, this, wait, you don't know they're related? No. Arden. I don't think I've actually ever seen Grey Gardens. Arden. I know. If this I, is it. This is I, what's going to end. We're not going to year four. This no. is what's ending our race. <laughs> I just, I sidebar, everybody who's listening to this episode right now, you have to watch Grey Gardens. It's such a, uh, it's an amazing and super interesting documentary about these two women, both named Edie, Big Edie and Little Edie, mother-daughter, 
the Beals of Grey Garden. They are related to Jackie Kennedy. They lived in the Hamptons and they like came from affluent, obviously, mm-hmm. because of like their connections and they grew up with money, all of that stuff. But they were living as like hoarders in the hand in like this decrepit house with like raccoons and cats and it's what it's, if I could erase my memory to watch a film over <laughs> and over again. Oh my god. It would be two films. One, my big fat Greek wedding, and the second oh my God. one would be Great Gardens. <laughs> big fat Greek wedding. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, I guess I Treat knew. Yourself. I knew that there were two women that were related, and I knew about the hoarder thing, but I guess I didn't. Yeah, I didn't realize that they came from the Bouviers. Yes, yes, they do. I think they're cousins of Jackie Kennedy. It is very much worth everybody's time to watch and listen and enjoy The Beals of Grey Gardens, the the documentary, and it is titled Grey Gardens because there's two documentaries, but the Grey Gardens documentary is the one. It's on HBO. Enjoy yourselves. Okay. Enjoy yourselves. I Sorry, will... this is not about Grey Gardens. This is about Jackie Kennedy. <laughs> I will take the homework. Anyway, so Jackie Kennedy... Um, (laughs) she attended Vassar and then George Washington University and graduated with a degree in French literature. She married, yeah, she married John F. Kennedy in 1953 and spent much of her time as first lady working to restore and refurnish the White House. So she is being a caretaker for the property. I mean, at that point, I'm, I can only imagine. Oh yeah. It was in poor shape. (laughs) I don't know that it, it probably needed a spruce up from, you know, yeah. yesteryear, day of yore. Right. Once that work was complete, she took America on a televised tour of the White House. She was revered as first lady for her poise and dignity, which we kind of talked about when we talked about the Warren Commission and the attack on JFK. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when she stood on the airplane with LBJ. Yeah. Next up is Betty Ford. Love. Betty Ford. She was born as Elizabeth Ann. Hey. Hey. Oh, my God. Elizabeth Ann. I'm Elizabeth Anna. What? (laughs) Yeah. My middle name is Julie Anna. Arden, we're essentially related. (laughs) We're, 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 we are Jackie Kennedy and Edith Beale. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh One day the God. press is going to be like, Arden, what's going on with your relative Elizabeth? Uh-huh. She's living in squalor. <laughs> I'm going to be like, my degree in French literature prevents me from, you know. Bonsoir. <laughs> Bonsoir. <laughs> oh, my God. So Betty Ford was born Elizabeth Ann Bloomer. She married Gerald Ford in 1948. Betty Ford was willing as a first lady to openly discuss her experiences with psychiatric treatment, which like for the time is huge, huge. That's huge. huge. This is when women were hysterical. Just hysterical. If you wanted to have sex, you were insane. Insane. We always love when we talk openly about mental health issues and to do so in, you know, the literally the fifties or the sixties or even today on a on a in this type of scale is huge. Huge. This is like Nurse Ratchet era. And Betty Ford's like, mm-hmm. no, psychiatric treatment is it's good. I mean, it I works. wonder what she had done. Or if it was yeah, like just therapy, mm-hmm. but like 
you know, you got it's 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 something that needed to be talked about. She yeah. was also a major advocate for the Equal Rights Amendment and the legalization of abortion. Go off. Love. She went through a mastectomy and spoke out about breast cancer awareness, like, ahead of her time. Yeah. Ahead of her time. As far as the medical stuff goes, shoot. Mm Mm-hmm. Her candor and openness about her private life was virtually unprecedented for such a high-profile public figure. I love it. She's like, yeah, "Yeah, I had breast cancer. And come at me. Come at me. Literal at symbol at me. Mm -hmm. Go off, Betty. Go off. Oh, next. Love this. Thank you for giving me her. I had to make up for giving you Edith Wilson. Edith Wilson. Mm -hmm. So next up we have, of course, Rosalind Carter. Rosalind Carter was born Eleanor Rosalind Smith in 1927. She married absolute friend of the show, Jimmy Carter, in 1946. Throughout his term as president, Rosalind Carter was one of his closest advisors. And y'all, they are still happily married today. And I, it just, to see the two of them together. So good. Makes me so happy. Mm -hmm. Marriage goals. Yes. Unlike previous first ladies, she actually sat in on many cabinet meetings. She was an advocate for mental health issues and became the honorary chair of the President's Commission on Mental Health. Again, this is big. Big, big. This is, you know, in the 80s. And we're not talking about mental health in the 80s still in a really real way. No. So the fact that you have the First Lady be on a commission? Yeah. We love to see it. We love to see it. And be in cabinet meetings? Shoot. Yeah. Go off, Rosalind. And then after Rosalind, we have... Hillary Clinton. Hillary Rodham was born in 1947 and married Bill Clinton in 1975. She was an extremely powerful first lady. She was involved in directing policy, especially in the realm of health care. She was appointed the head of the Task Force on National Health Care Reform. Further, she spoke out on women's and children's issues she espoused important legislation like the Adoption and Safe Families Act. After President Clinton's second term, she became the junior senator from New York. And as we all should know at this point, she also ran for a Democratic presidential nomination in 2008 and was selected to be Barack Obama's Secretary of State when she did not get the Democratic nomination. She lost out to Barack Obama, but became his Secretary of State. In 2016, Hillary Clinton became the first female presidential nominee of a major party, which I hope we all know at this point. I mean, you know, I think regardless of where you stand on the spectrum, yeah, I feel like you have to respect Hillary Clinton's career. I don't get the hatred of her like i can i can understand like people disagree with policies people disagree with that but she is somebody that people like actively emotionally viscerally physically hate and i I don't get that and part of me i was do you remember here i mean at some point i feel like when she was first lady she made a comment about like 
women shouldn't just be in the kitchen baking cookies. And I feel mm-hmm. like that, I mean, that's like a paraphrase, but I feel like, I don't know. It's just like, a pe- I don't, she just was this like symbol of like what women could achieve. And then sure. something like that, saying a comment like that made it feel like if you're not working outside the home or doing things for yourself, like you're a bad woman, which is not really right. what she meant at all. And that was also something that was like, for whatever reason, revolutionary thinking in the 1990s that like women could could and should seek fulfillment outside of their husbands and children and home. Right. Like, yes. I mean, I feel like if she, if, you know, if she was coming up today, like she would be like, that wouldn't even be questioned, you know, like that idea. Right. Well, I think it's also, it plays into this idea, I or I think this misinterpretation of feminism as being women who work are better than women who choose not to, to work or who choose to focus on staying home and raising their family. Yeah. Which is not the case. I think feminism is about simply choice mm-hmm. and getting to choose Literally what you want to do with your time, whether that be at home, at work, combination of both. Yeah. Um, But I think with Hillary Clinton and especially with this generation, like her peers and sort of the the generation that she comes from, I think Mm -hmm. that it did – the idea of feminism was like – to be a homemaker is somehow less than right. or not good enough. Yeah. And I think that's a misunderstanding of what I think l- the literal definition of feminism mm-hmm. is. And it's yeah. just like, if I want to work, I should have every opportunity available to me that a male counterpart with my exact qualifications has. Right. And if I don't want to work, I should be able to not have to work and that should not be stigmatized on me that I'm not working and if I want to do both right I should be allowed to do both and shouldn't be judged upon the fact that I am also raising children while working right you know yeah so you know I think I think (laughs) likability is I think the big thing that surrounds Hillary Clinton I think she's not likable to some. And I think that there are certainly, again, and we're not necessarily talking about like policy stances or things that have, that have happened in her time as any of these, you know, positions that she's held. Yeah. Because people there, I think there are people who really find issue with those things, which like God bless Godspeed. I think that you can though separate and say, here is a person who was incredibly well-educated. Yeah. Be, what was first lady had a pretty massive impact and then became a senator then secretary of state that like it's really impressive mm-hmm. and hadn't been done before and i think there there's no harm in acknowledging that there's i'm sure a lot of people find a lot of flaws with hillary clinton and we can talk about those till the cows come home but that simple fact there has I, you gotta respect but it. Uh, but, oh yeah, but also like, there's flaws with Hillary Clinton. There's flaws with every single flipping. Oh person for sure. In this world. Oh for sure. And like all like, name a president. He had a flaw, you know. So I'm always just like, why? Right, but it's why he. such the visceral. I know that. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, yeah, I don't yeah. know. It's just so yeah. it's so bizarre to me. But yeah, 
HRC. And then finally, the last first lady we're going to talk about is Michelle Obama. In 1992, Michelle LeVon Robinson, who was born in 1964, married Barack Obama, the first African-American to become president of the United States. Together, they served in the White House between 2008 and 2016. Michelle Obama was a lawyer, businesswoman, and philanthropist who currently works primarily in the public sphere. As first lady, she focused on the Let's Move program to help reduce childhood obesity, which was a program that led to the passage of the Healthy Hunger-Free Kids Act, which allowed the U.S. Department of Agriculture to set nutritional standards for all foods in school. Remember when people were angry about that? She tried to grow a garden. They were like, how dare you grow a garden and tell my kid to eat broccoli? Fuck off. Yeah. And I just like, I remember growing up in public school and seeing some of the stuff that was offered and it was gross. 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 It's literally gross. And like, thankfully, I came from a home where I was allowed, I had the privilege of bringing a packed lunch. Right. But there are hundreds of thousands of children who do not have that privilege and rely solely on school lunches for yep. food, for yep. breakfast, lunch, sometimes dinner. And the fact that they were not being given meals that were up to a nutritional standard that you yourself would never agree to live on. Right. Is is inhumane. Like, we have a responsibility to children right. to feed them. Any pushback on that, you can kindly see yourself out, <laughs> is how I feel. Yeah, I agree. Her second initiative, the Reach Higher Initiative, continues to provide students with the guidance and resources to go on post-high school educations and professional careers. So... I'm yeah. a big fan, Michelle. I, big, she's, big she, fan. I think she's also the the most highly educated first lady we've had. Like, I think she has the oh, most, right, she, like, the highest level of degrees. Nice. Which we love. Smart nice. lady. We're going to take a quick break for a little word from our sponsors. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Mm-hmm. 
Do you like science fiction? I'm Carrie Bechet, and if you loved movies like Arrival or Interstellar, then you're going to want to check out my podcast, Hypothetical. On Hypothetical, we tell speculative sci-fi stories interwoven with real science. New episodes every Tuesday, available wherever you get podcasts. So now we're going to move in to talk about first pets. And <laughs> like I said, not that the first ladies were not impressive. They all are. I just got a kick out of the ridiculousness that is most of the president's pets. Like uh, there's just some wild and crazy things and we're going to go in reverse order order. So we're going to start with president Obama. And honestly, like we all know he had these two Portuguese water dogs and his yeah. story about these water dogs is like the most normal of the stories probably that you're going to hear. <laughs> Let's start it off just was like, we adopted them way up. Yeah. It's just like, we adopted them. One was gifted. Yeah. Anyway, here we go. So president Barack Obama and his, his family. So during the victory speech of his first campaign, president Barack Obama promised his daughters a puppy. Sure. As you do. As you do. Sasha and Malia he said, I love you both so much, and you have earned the new puppy that's coming with us to the White House. Their first dog, Bo, was a male Portuguese water dog, and he was a gift from Senator Ted Kennedy. Sure. I mean, where else are you going to get a Portuguese water dog from other than Ted Kennedy? <laughs> right. Like, me too. It was great. I love it. Um, and then in 2013, the first family adopted another Portuguese water dog, this time a female, and they named her Sunny. Yeah, and I do think that Bo recently just passed away. I think I think so. I mean, he would be very, he would be fairly old. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. poor Bo. Poor Bo. So next up, Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton. Over the course of the Clinton administration, Socks, who was a black and white cat, served as the first pet of the United States, a title she reluctantly shared during the latter years of Bill's pres- presidency with Buddy, who was a chocolate Labrador retriever, the two animals notoriously did not get along. Notoriously, it was in the press. It was in the press. There's a rift in the White House. The New York Post was all about Buddy. it. <laughs> Next up, Jimmy Carter. So while the Carters didn't bring any dogs with them to the White House, they were gifted a Border Collie mix, which I love a Border Collie. We love Border Collies. Love a Border Collie. They were gifted a Border Collie mix by first daughter Amy's teacher shortly after they moved in. I love this teacher. You, here's a dog. Here, Hi, Mr. President. Here's a dog. Here's a dog. <laughs> yes, I teach your child. It's a bold She's move doing quite to well. give somebody an animal. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like a really ballsy move. Like right. Ted Kennedy, sure. Right. He's Ted Kennedy. He's, He's going to do crazy shit. Right. But, like, a teacher? <laughs> a teacher? Like, how about a cactus? Like, that's enough. Anything that requires sure. you to, like, have to, like, think about the well-being of the thing when you go away on vacation? Like, that is a lot to ask of a gift. It's a lot. It's a lot. Anyway, so, unfortunately, Grits, as the dog came to be named. <laughs> Grits. <laughs> it's um, a great name. It was a great name. Uh, was later returned as he did not get along with the family's Siamese cat, whose name was Misty Malarkey Ying Yang. Oh my god. <laughs> they reportedly also had an Afghan Afghan hound. I just That's the name crazy. of this cat 
Misty Malarkey. Misty yin-yang. Malarkey Yin Yang is. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many problems with the name. <laughs> Just, it's so good. Oh my god! Oh, I'm man. telling you, this is like gonna be the best ten minutes of a podcast you'll hear all year. <laughs> um, so, working backwards, Gerald Ford. The nation was delighted when news circulated that President Ford's dog, Liberty, had given birth in the White House. Hell yeah, Liberty. She had nine puppies. Oh my God. Who were then all gifted to Ted Kennedy. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But like. (laughs) And then they were given to Ted Kennedy. I love it. Who was, who gladly took them. And then re-gifted them to other presidents. Next up, LBJ. So President Johnson was a well-documented dog lover with a real lack of imagination when it came to names. Case in point. Oh, my God. Yes, this is wild. Case in point, his dogs, uh, he had two beagles. They were named him and her. Sure. Jersey. Oh, my God. Him, come here. Her, get out of the kitty litter. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) LBJ also had several other dogs during his administration. Blanco, a white collie. Sure. Yucky, a mutt. Freckles, another beagle. And Edgar, who was a gift from none other than J. Edgar Hoover. Oh, my God. I'm telling you, this is the best list I have ever found. Edgar. Oh, man. It just keeps on giving. Ugh. I love that. Yeah. Okay, next up is JFK. The Kennedy family had a veritable menagerie at the White House with birds, cats, rabbits, hamsters, and dogs, oh my, of all ages. But perhaps the most quintessential Kennedy pet was Caroline's pony, Mm -hmm. Macaroni. I love it. I love that the White House had hamsters because they were kids. There were two kids that were living there. But where do you keep a pony? Yo, I have no idea. Does the White House have a fenced-in backyard? Am I insane? Does it have a barn? Like, did they have somebody on the barn? Where do you keep the pony? I don't know. It's so weird. Where was it kept? Next up, we have Dwight D. Eisenhower. Eisenhower's pet parakeet is one of the few animals to have the privilege of being buried at the White House. When Gabby, the parakeet, died in 1957, she was reportedly buried outside the executive mansion. Rest in peace, Gabby. Rest rest in in peace. peace. Next up, Herbert Hoover. Several dogs lived in the White House during Hoover's tenure, including a Belgian shepherd named King Tut. Oh, God. His son also owned alligators <laughs> that could be sometimes seen on the White House grounds. I Again, it begs the question, where are we keeping the alligators? I just, it cracks me up that like Herbert Hoover had alligators. Meanwhile, like, could you imagine if Obama had had alligators roaming the grounds, like, and on his way sure. to, to like, the helicopter? I forget what it's called. But, like, you know, to go to whatever place, he's, like, walking with these alligators. Like, they gave him shit it's for a wearing a tan suit. Right. 
Bring out the alligators. Bring out the alligators. We should have alligators always at the White House. We should have alligators all the time. I mean, they really would be a help to the Secret Service. For sure. Next up, Calvin Coolidge. Calvin Coolidge was such an animal lover that he turned the White House into something of a zoo. He had dogs and birds, cats and raccoons, a hippo, a bear, and lion cubs. <laughs> Where? Was he use William Randolph Hearst? Like, Jesus Christ. Like, in Lincoln's bedroom? Where? Where do I, you guys, I'm going to ask it again. Where do you keep the hippo? <laughs> I'm begging you. <laughs> because Where hippos, do you keep the bear? Where do you keep the bear? The bear, like, because wouldn't it get out? Like, even if you had a fence, you would have to, like, it would get out and roam around Washington, yeah. D.C. The hippo needs a big thing of water. Yeah. Where? I am going to go out on a limb here. And say that these animals were not kept in a way that was healthy to their environment. I would have to agree with if that. If I had to guess. Yes. Yes. I completely agree. Still on Calvin Coolidge, one of the most interesting White House pets was First Lady Grace Coolidge's raccoon, Rebecca. <laughs> Rebecca. What are we going to name her? Marianne. <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca like, Raccoon. Oh she God. looks like a Rebecca. I don't know. What I do you want me know. to say? Look at her poofy cheeks. Look at the eyes. It's all there. The first family received her as a gift from a supporter in Mississippi who attended for the animal to be eaten for Thanksgiving dinner, but the first lady kept her as a pet instead. I'm so sorry. Didn't know raccoon was a delicacy oh of the Mississippi. I just, it's so, I, I, it was really hard. Like, if you could believe it or not, there are presidents that I didn't put in this list. So if you read the cut as a president with pets, like, it's just pure hilarity. Also, the supporter for Mississippi sent a raccoon for Thanksgiving. I just think that's so. A gift for your table. I love everything about that. Oh, my God. Oh, goody. Another. Okay. Uh, Next up, we have, of course, I'm doing Woodrow Wilson. When it comes to animals, the Wilson administration was known for one thing. Sheep grazing on the White House lawn. The flock served as a reminder of the war effort. Okay. Not only did they save the government money by cutting grass, but an auction of their wool would also benefit the Red Cross. In addition to the lambs, Wilson also kept a ram who reportedly chewed tobacco. Okay. Songbirds, several dogs, and a cat named Puffins. I love this idea of this ram who's just like (laughs) dipping. (laughs) Just like just. (laughs) I just, I want, I want like a presidential pet cartoon with Rebecca Raccoon. Yeah. The ram just like dipping into the tobacco, and then I don't yep. know the the like macaroni for sure can be in. Do you know what I mean? Like I want a presidential yes. pet mashup cartoon. Yes, of course. Okay, working our way backwards. Next up, William Howard Taft, Pauline Wayne, 
the last cow to live in the White House, was something Mm. of a celebrity during the Taft administration, traveling the country and giving interviews to the Washington Post. She said, and I quote, (laughs) moo. I can't even. It's just too good. Taft also had a dog named Caruso. <laughs> oh my god, who was a member of the Italian mob? <laughs> like I just sure from the Sicilian sector <laughs> of the family. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Teddy Roosevelt. When Teddy moved into the White House, he brought the largest number of animals yet. Are we shocked or are we not shocked? Nope. According to the National Park Service, the brood included a small bear, a pig a barn owl, a rooster, a hen, a hyena. Very unsafe. (laughs) Very unsafe. A lizard, snakes, guinea pigs, a pony, and multiple dogs and horses. And I just kind of want to go out on a limb, as Lizzie says, and hypothesize that maybe the hyena tried to eat some of the other things once in a while. Like Maybe. I just... Like... We gotta get some pictures of this time. (laughs) I'm having a hard time visualizing where everybody's being kept. (laughs) And how do you, do they just like move, like when, you know, when, wait, who has, who had the, like, you know, so when Taft moved in after Teddy Roosevelt, was he like, oh, okay, good. Yes. The place where the hyena was kept will be a perfect place for Pauline Wayne my cow. Do you know what I mean? The like, cow. Sure. Are we just repurposing the same area? Where are these, where are they going? I'm so confused. Right. Next up, James Garfield. During Garfield's administration, his wife tended to a mare named Kit, while he cheekily named his black Newfoundland Vito. I think it's Newfoundland. His black Newfoundland Vito. <laughs> <laughs> Newfoundland. Newfoundland. I was like, wait a second. I may be a simple country girl from Texas, but I think that's Newfoundland. Oh my God. Newfoundland. It's right next to Oregon. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. Andrew Johnson. Hate him. (laughs) I know. Well, Johnson didn't have any formal pets. He was rather fond of a family of white mice that lived in the White House. Instead of because tra- a rat recognizes a rat. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's true. It's true. Instead of trapping the creatures, he left out food at night for them to eat. And this is from the article, and I quote, impeachment can be hard on a guy. Close yeah, quote. enjoy your friends of mice, Andrew Johnson. <laughs> Nobody likes you. So yeah, oh you God. have to you have to be comrades in arms with mice. Oh my god. Bye. So funny. <laughs> Next up, Abraham Lincoln. Go on. Lincoln's family kept many animals during his time in the White House, including a pig, ponies, cats, dogs, and goats. Honest Abe actually issued the very first presidential turkey pardon after his son got a little too attached to dinner one Christmas. Sure. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard to be like, oh my God, you're so cute. I'm going to kill you? Hit! Daddy, where did we get the turkey? Oh, Becky's gone. Sorry. Sorry. All right, last couple. So James Buchanan. Is there anything as patriotic as a president with a pet bald eagle? 
James Buchanan, the bachelor president, had a pair of them along with a Newfoundland dog and a toy terrier. I think Seems it's like a tough animal to keep. I think it's Newfoundland. It's not. <laughs> Can you? <laughs> Sorry, a Newfoundland dog. <laughs> Next up, Martin Van Buren. President Van Buren didn't have many pets, but he made up for the quantity with the over-the-top quality of his animals. Until Congress made him send them to the zoo, he kept a pair of tiger cubs. They were a gift from the Sultan of Oman. Sure, yeah, I think we have to I mean, send these to the zoo. I think all of them should have be sent to the zoo. I don't know why I don't know why Martin Van Buren couldn't keep his tiger cubs, but but you know but later on I forget a hippo who had was the hippo okay. could keep the hippo. Send the hippo to the zoo, I'm begging you. Begging you. The White House pool is not big enough. Next up, I think one of the worst presidents of all time, Andrew Jackson. Mm-hmm. Andrew Jackson was a horse fan, keeping multiple ponies and racing horses in the White House. His other pet, a parrot named Pole, was notorious for cursing. Go fuck yourself. (laughs) Andrew Jackson. You're a piece of shit. Andrew Jackson. You're a piece of shit. (laughs) Oh my god, another one. So John Quincy Adams is our next one. Also had a pet alligator. I don't know why this is the theme of the show. (laughs) The alligator was a gift from the Marquis de Lafayette. I mean, again, how do you, what, do, John, I love our relationship. Here's an alligator. Yeah. <laughs> Best buds, friends always, like a brother from another yeah. mother. XOXO, here's an alligator. Thomas Jefferson. Our third president had a passion for mockingbirds and wrote of his winged pets often, but only one ever received a recorded name. Dick. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Best okay. delivery of anything you'll ever say. Dick. Jefferson's White House also served as home to a pair of bear cubs for a short time before they were sent off to a zoo. Okay. Also sent to a zoo. I'm hoping others were sent to a zoo because this is insane. <laughs> and then finally... We're going to talk about John Adams because this was the first animal to live in the White House. It's not exciting, but the first animals ever to live in the White House were Adams's horses and a pair of dogs. Their Normal. names are not recorded. Normal. He Like, Adams kicked us off. He's like, I have a horse. I have a dog. Right. And we're like, okay, great. One's probably named Spot and the other one's probably named, you know, Rusty. Like, great. Cool. Huh, cool. Done. And then people started freaking out. Like, mm-hmm. his son was like, I'm going to keep an alligator. You never hugged me. You know, like, <laughs> what, what's a boy to do? What's a boy to do? I'm a very angry person. I need an angry pet. Oh, my God. need angry pets. But that is the end of our pets and our first ladies and our year here at Let's Get Civical. Wow. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Wow, yeah. wow. I I really I have to apologize to the first ladies because although you are glorious in your own rights, the pets really stole the cake here. But you know what? It's the end of the year. You got to go out with a bang. And it's been one hell of a year. It really has been. It really has been. 
So to our sweet, sweet listeners, we love you so, so much. Thank you for joining us all year on this very special journey. As always, you can rate, you can review, you can subscribe to us. We're going to have two episodes re-airing over the next two weeks. So we will see you with a new episode in 2022. Woohoo! Goodbye.